Welcome to this bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast mostly about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, yes, we did say that we'd be back this week with the finale of Static Shock, but uh, we failed to account for how much freaking news came out of DC fandom, uh, so much so that we realized there was no way to actually have a just a news section. We need to have a whole dedicated episode yeah. to this news behemoth. Um, now, lots to talk about, but I guess we can start off with talking about how the event itself went. So I, I was unable to watch a little bit of it live, but you, you played around with it a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I jumped into a couple panels here and there. Uh, I think the, the idea of this turned out very well. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I think we both were, were incredibly surprised with how much content they put out and how much new information they put out. And it really showed why Comic-Con didn't work this year because of how much this was this was going to do. Yeah. I mean, they just held on to, I don't know, you could pick probably two or three things that would have been like huge. I mean, the Batman trailer was always going to be the biggest thing that came out of any sort of convention this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense to hold on to that. But that in combination with um, the Snyder Cut, with a bunch of game announcements, like they just kept everything. And I've... Um, read a couple articles that said like this sets the bar for virtual conventions going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and even just like the, the thing that we've been talking about forever, the fracturing of conventions, this, the thing that mm-hmm. E3 is, is slowly been kind of coming up to, this is the big move or like, we now know that not even just Warner brothers in general, but DC alone can rival a D 23. It's amazing now that, everything is just going to get more siloed basically. Right. So mm-hmm. like not only are all of the, you know, it's all the content going up on dedicated platforms, but now a lot of the announcements are going to be held onto for specific things. Like you can imagine that Disney's going to continue to like hold all of their key stuff for D 23 and, you know, separate themselves further from comic-con DC is going to do the same thing with this fandom. Like this, I think was pretty much across the board considered a success. So you can imagine they'll try and pivot this to an actual like live event at some point. I think it would do pretty decently well. Yeah, because Disney doesn't just have D23. They also have Star Wars Celebration where they do <laughs> just as many announcements. And I, yeah. I'm imagining we come to this like the, these biannual events are kind of going to be these new things. We're like, I don't know if DC can do this every year. But like if you have a DC panel every other year, kind of flip flop it with D23 and then a Warner Brothers panel, this kind of. To, to fill the void of that gap year. So you can kind of have these smaller virtual things one year and then these big DC events the next year. I think it'd yeah. be like a really interesting way for them to move forward in the convention space. And I'm not entirely opposed to it, actually. You know, because we've been talking for years about how Comic-Con just, at least for me, is like less fun kind of every time I go because it's gotten so big and it's so hard to go. And that... I've always enjoyed going more to like LA Comic Con or to WonderCon at this point. And so the idea that, you know, maybe as more of the the major players start pulling out of, you know, San Diego Comic Con, that that might become a slightly more accessible event mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah. And that, you know, maybe it now becomes about like just more smaller events than like one huge one every year. And I'd, I'd actually be very much in favor of that. Yeah. And with, with these huge conventions, you're also very limited with space because for your comic cons that, you know, it's been rumored for decades now that comic con is going to move out of San Diego. 
mm-hmm. there's no real convention center that can hold that many people really anywhere else in the U.S. Like San Diego and Vegas are kind of the two biggest convention halls. I imagine the D.C. fandom, if it happens in person, will probably be in Vancouver. It's like that's where most of their TV stuff is already uh, stationed. Yeah, that could be. Hey, you know, if these things get small enough and niche enough, maybe you and I can find our way onto a panel. That Hell is, yeah. That is <laughs> a, a dream of mine. We can get, you know, uh, six people maybe in a hall listening to two of us talk about shit we don't know about. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it would be interesting to see what a an actual like live event like this would, would look like. Great excuse me to dress up as Condiment King again. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I, really, I was kind of astounded by the level of news that came out so we'll, we'll kind of tackle it like section by section so uh building up to obviously the the biggest thing we're gonna be talking about is the batman trailer but lots to get to before that so let's start off with some comics so cameron you brought up that we had a really exciting announcement in the comic space from dc and uh very relevant to what we've been talking about for the last few months yeah we had uh some milestone news so i know dc has been kind of trying to figure out how to get this milestone partnership up and running since 2015. Uh, But they finally started working forward with it. We're getting a new icon series to start this new partnership. Um, Mm -hmm. But more exciting for me, and I assume for you, uh, was they had Phil Lamar on the panel and they were talking about the, the kind of continuation of a static live action movie coming very soon. Which I would love to see it. We've talked about it a lot, that this is a character that's uh, rife for like a modern reinterpretation. And I, I would particularly love to see it happen as a live action film, just to give it that sort of platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like and this is the cynical, realistic aspect of the industry. But I think, you know, the, the nice thing is that with the success of Black Panther, with the success of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, like it's quote-unquote proven, not that it should have ever been needed to, that a black hero can do well on screen. And I think those kind of successes mean Static is more likely, and I think Static could do really, really well, and people would get so excited about it. Yeah, my uh, my doorman, I don't want to sound pretentious, but I have a doorman now. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretentious, continue. <laughs> I am very pretentious. My doorman wears a Miles Morales mask when I come in, and it gets me very excited. And I commented on it when I first met him. And like he, yeah. it was very obvious, like no one ever, because it's like a very, it's not like an obvious Miles Morales mask. It's like you see, it's black, mm-hmm. and you see the eyes on one side and the the graffiti logo on the other. Uh, yeah. And he got so excited when I brought it up. I'm like, hey, I really like your Miles Morales mask. And he's like, oh my gosh, like yeah, like uh, my my girlfriend got it for me. It's from this Etsy shop. Uh, and he's like, I'll, I'll like next time you come by, like I'll tell you what the Etsy shop is, because like. That's super cool that you know who Miles is. And I'm like, oh, oh you've, you've never had someone to co- to talk to about this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, real nerds meeting in the wild. It's adorable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think they're, they're talking about them doing a live action movie, which would love to see. And then they also reference like more stuff just across Milestone, not necessarily static specific in um, like the animation and podcasting space. And I think we're also getting a static digital series starting in February. Uh, one of my favorite comments from this panel was was Phil Lamar saying that uh, if someone can get a hold of Scorsese for him and kind of get that Irishman de-aging makeup figured out, then he can definitely play 14. <laughs> He's a chameleon, so let him play it. I'm here for it. Yeah. 
No, so we, we got that announcement um, from the comics. And the other thing that we got, which I thought was kind of interesting, is that uh, so Oscar-winning screenwriter John Ridley, um, who wrote 12 Years a Slave, he's going to be doing a Batman comic. And it sounds like it's going to focus around uh, like Lucius Fox and his family. And possibly Ooh. a member of that family might end up being the one in the cowl, in the bat cowl, which could be kind of interesting. Because um, I think, I haven't read a lot of the New 52, but I think in that it's um, Lucius's son, Luke, I want to say, is Batwing. And so there's kind of a history of, you know, one of those characters taking up a mantle. So that sounds really interesting. And uh, John Ridley also wrote uh, a comic series called The Other History of the DC Universe, which kind of explores the, the history of the, the DC Universe. Aptly named. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but focusing on, like, you know, more minority characters. So Black Lightning, Montoya, um, a few of these other people. And it sounds like a really interesting series. So I've kind of earmarked that as something to, to check out soon. So, uh, but no, I mean, like, I'm glad that they also had cool comics announcements come out of this. It wasn't just exclusively um, the bigger properties. Mm -hmm. So, but moving along from that, speaking of bigger properties, should we talk about some games? We had a couple of big announcements oh, this time. Oh, yes. These, they fucking blew this out of the park. Because you had told me that you were actually out of everything most excited about Gotham Knights. Yeah, that I, I still think that this was the best announcement of the of the day. Really? And, and I, it's it's just that monologue at the beginning that Batman gives. I think it's just because it's something I've never seen is like it is actually dead Batman. That monologue was so like emotional to me. It was like. Such a great way to set... Like, if that was the intro to a movie, I would be losing my mind. Or even just, like, an intro to an animated series. Like, if that was... If they did, like, a Batman Inc. animated series, that would be such a cool way to, to start it. I see where you're coming from in that. Like, it's an interesting premise that we haven't seen explored a lot. Like, what happens when Batman's gone and everything is left to the rest of the Bat family? And it looks like they're going to be taking on um, a number of villains, but ultimately the Court of Owls is going to be, like, the big bad, it seems like. Yeah. And I guess... This is set, I think, supposed to be set in the same continuity as the the previous Arkham games. Uh, um, no, because this is a different studio. Kind of. So this is developed by Warner Brothers Games Montreal. So mm -hmm. not Rocksteady, who did the main Arkham games. But they did Arkham Origins. So that is, I think, kind of considered like a loose, in loose continuity with the other games. That one came out after Arkham City. So... I, I think it's supposed to be set in that same universe because, spoiler alert for the end of Arkham Knight, but Batman fakes his death. Like, he's revealed to be Bruce Wayne, and then he, like, I'm pretty sure it ends with him faking his death, if I recall, not actually dying. Um, you know, and then the Red Hood is left to kind of now become a vigilante after having been the Arkham Knight the entire game. So I think it's set in the same loose continuity. The one thing that kind of trips me up is that in this game, it looks like Jim Gordon's dead, which was not part of game that i recall yeah yeah that also like hit me yeah and i'm gonna be honest i found this very underwhelming actually it really so have you played the arkham games i have yeah i like them all okay yeah because i i i still think arkham city is the the best um and arkham knight was fine but for me, it fell short on two things. One is just the story wasn't as compelling. You know, the fact that it was ultimately just revealed to be Jason Todd was like, this just feels kind of forced yeah. in. Um, the whole, like, Batman's revealed to be Bruce Wayne and, like, fakes his death thing just felt like a really unsatisfying ending, especially because it's a video game. So after the game ends, you can still go explore the city as Batman. I know. I, I hate when games, like, they need either, like, a full-on finale or leave it more open-ended. Yeah, like... 
in my mind, Halo 3 has, like, the best ending to a video game trilogy, but I'm sure there are other ones out there that I haven't played. Um, but, like, I just didn't care for the ending of Arkham Knight overall. And also, just for me, that gameplay was so bloated. Like, the Riddler challenges are so over the top. Yeah. The Batmobile was a cool idea, but a lot of the most frustrating parts of the game were having to do, like, the tank battles with the, the Batmobile. And even watching this, the the play already seems like it's going to be burdened with way too many features. Like it's kind of cool that you can play as any of the four characters, but in my mind, like that doesn't actually expand the gameplay. It kind of just makes it feel like either you're not getting the full value of playing the game because you don't play all the characters or it becomes redundant because you play the game through each time with a different character. And the other thing too, is that, you know, the way they were describing in the, the gameplay footage was that, you know, like you kind of level up as you go along, which is pretty typical of these sort of RPG games. Um, but he makes reference to there being like a preferred build. And it started to kind of feel like maybe they were almost going for a like Call of Duty style, like loadout thing. And, and look, I don't know enough to know how it's actually going to work. That just was kind of like the fear I had. Um, and I know that like, my peak gaming was like well over a decade ago. So I'm a little out of touch with how games are done normally. And I barely play them anymore. Um, but it's just kind of like, I wasn't super compelled by the story. The world and all the character designs to me were really, really ugly. And then the way they set up what looked like the gameplay was going to be, wasn't super appealing to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Those, those are all fair points with the, the leveling system. I assume that means it's probably going to be more of a, uh, an RPG style game rather than just like a straight up action game. Which, you know, like that is the trend right now for all action games. They do have an RPG element to them. What I'm imagining is kind of going off your point of like, it will feel repetitive or something like that. Uh, at least the way I'm hoping they're going to handle this is from the look of the trailer, it looks like each of the character has their own kind of like specialty where Batman was, was pretty good across the board at everything. You know, he, uh, he hit hard, he had stealth, uh, and he could combo very easily. Uh, and so for this, it looks like each of the characters are going to kind of get their own specialty to kind of play with. So like Damien looks like he's just going to be like the combo character and it's his, his whole thing is going to be how easily and how well you can comp and how smoothly you can just kind of take out a horde with these crazy, awesome combos. And he has like a weird teleportation thing that I don't really understand. Yeah, I guess they, I think it's, I think it's still Tim if it's based off of the, the Arkham Knight universe, not Damien. Okay. Although it's kind of like a Damien-esque costume, but yeah, I guess he can tap into the um, Justice League teleporter, do like short range teleportation. Oh, okay, okay. But what that looked like, uh, Batgirl and Barbara are gonna have the like the the stealth component, and they're probably gonna like advance stealth mechanics a little bit more for her character. Dick looks like he's probably gonna be the the main damage dealer. You know, if you kind of, I, I feel like he'll probably be like the easy mode of the game. Like when you get Dick, it's just like, okay, you hit hard and you're cool and you have this cool mullet costume that you're going to pay three extra dollars of DLC for. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what Red Hood's like strength would be. I'm mean, like, he has a gun. He just shoots people. He just shoots people. So I think that was one thing that Arkham Knight did well was that you were still playing as Batman through almost the entire thing, except for like, I think maybe little spots here and there where he plays with their characters. Mm -hmm. But then it had all those kind of bonus DLC levels where you got to do a dedicated campaign based around these different characters, and their play did feel a little bit different, right? Yeah. It's like you know if you were doing the um, just like the just for the fun of it, like the combat maps. 
you know, how you would fight as Robin was different than Nightwing, than Batgirl, than Batman. And that was all really cool. I think my concern here is that by having four distinct characters with different play styles and then only one primary campaign, you can choose between the four of them. It doesn't really feel like it's a game catered to a certain type of gameplay, a certain type of character. It's either you play it as this way or you play it as that way. And then you're going to get to the end of it like, oh, cool, I'll play the whole thing as Batgirl, but oh, well, I guess I can go play it back as Robin. And then you're just going to play the entire campaign four times through. And to me, that doesn't necessarily seem super interesting comparison to having like, you know, a multi-branching story where like this section you're playing is this character, so this section is this character. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, those are all very fair arguments. We're also living in a post-PS4 Spider-Man world, which I would consider the best superhero video game we've ever had having not played it and i do really want to but i've heard that and i I think maybe that's part of my concern too is that you feel like maybe spider-man perfected the arkham method i think so and so i'm hoping they can learn from that a little bit yeah but i i feel like by comparison this feels like it's just taking kind of the worst parts of arkham knight and making a whole game out of it I think maybe because it's also not coming from Rocksteady, I was just a little bit like, eh. Arkham Origin, I think, is underappreciated. You know, it's it's a fine game, but it doesn't really hold up there with the others. And so I'm like, okay, well, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. But we also now know why Rocksteady wasn't doing this one, is they were busy making their own game, um, which to me actually looks like the more fun of the two, which is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Yes. We, we only just got like a, you know, a, a trailer, no gameplay footage, and it's not coming out until 2022, so they're a long ways off. Um, but that trailer was super fun. Can we, can we talk about the like zero to hero story of King Shark and how he's become like the cornerstone of DC right now? Right? I know, yeah. I mean, he's one of the standout characters of the Harley Quinn animated series. Uh, you know, we get him in The Suicide Squad, and now he's in the game here, too, as one of the four playable characters. Yeah, like, damn, he fucking came from nowhere and is now kind of becoming a household name. I mean, I, I do kind of love the idea of DC finally recognizing that they have this incredible stable of, like, really weird, fun characters yeah. that they can exploit. Um, you know, not everything just has to be batman isn't king shark a batman villain uh i think it's primarily a flash villain. okay i feel like he showed up in the flash tv show at least yes you you got to accept him to be oh i don't know an aquaman villain right i love this world we now live in where shows and properties are trying so hard really to just distance themselves from the cw verse that they're willing to go in these crazy directions because you know i i was worried for a while that they were gonna you know the bubble's gonna pop soon we're kind of mm-hmm. past this gritty era uh yeah. but with you know with doom patrol with the boys with umbrella academy with watchmen we've definitely hit the second wave i'm gonna call it just the fuck it wave and mm-hmm. it's like you know we're gonna focus on music and choreography and colors and having like a very you know we've hit kind of like the 60s like the 60s comic culture it's just like how weird can we get it and how like comic book can we get it i i think what you're describing is the larger comic industries outside of comics itself but like other mediums video games movies television finally recognizing that not everything has to be the dark knight Yes. I, I think we had like a decade of everyone, 
to some degree Marvel, but I'd say actually more excluding Marvel. But like everyone else, especially Warner Brothers, thinking like everything has to be the Dark Knight, and then finally going, oh wait, no, it can be its own fun thing, mm-hmm. and let's just let it be fun. And I think for me, this was probably the most fun reveal of all the stuff that came out, because the you know the, the trailer, it's Harley, uh, Deadshot, King Shark, and Captain Boomerang, just like dicking around and then amanda waller in their year like no get back on mission and so they go around and just like kill and beat up a bunch of just generic looking villains and then if i remember like oh wait what's our alpha target again and it's revealed to be an evil superman um like totally they're ready to kill them it looks ridiculously fun and had a great button joke too that I oh loved. The, yeah that, that was wonderful <laughs> a wonderful ending and i i think this they've they've really kind of like sharpened their fangs with harley what's the the right phrasing that's not the right phrase Sharpen their claws. Cut their teeth. Cut their teeth. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're going for. They really sharpen their fangs with this one. <laughs> Insert generic idiom here. Yeah. With, with the Harley animated series. And I think with the fan love for that show, they're like, okay, yeah, we can just be like stupid and self-referential. And like we, we've seen the buildup of this with Teen Titans Go to the Movies and Harley like fans yeah. get it like we can have these like very fun inside jokes you know Deadshot being like i never miss and they're like yeah we fucking know you never miss you never fucking <laughs> shut up about it <laughs> and i think honestly like weirdly enough that is the cinematic universe they've always wanted it's just these inside because i mean that's what marvel gets to do marvel gets to do these these inside jokes referencing back to you know spider-man 2 referencing back to iron man 1 where fans could be like, yeah. oh my god, I remember that scene. I remember that guy. It's that guy. It's, it's that guy who built the thing. Uh, and now DC's like, hey, you guys remember this fuck up, right? Yeah, that that yeah. was funny. You remember this fuck up? Yeah, that was totally a joke. Look at all these characters that have mustaches. Yeah, look at this great slate of movies that's coming out next year. Yeah, so we, we don't know yet what the, the gameplay is going to look like. We just got a sense of, like, what the story and the tone is going to be. Um, but based off that alone, like, I'm totally here for it. Like, you know, I, I'm more inclined to get the Suicide Squad game at launch than I am uh, Gotham Knights. Not that it matters, because they'll be, like, probably well over a year apart. Mm-hmm. So I my, my only concern with this one is this version of Killer Shark I'm not a big fan of, because he feels way more like Drax. I mean, you got to do something a little bit different. They can't all be Ron Funches. Yes, they can. I mean, if the world were... <laughs> yes, they can. If the world were full of Ron Funches, everything would just be so much better. Yes. But we don't live in that world, Cameron. Okay, fine. Then hand it off to, like, Taika Waititi. It's the same thing. It's the same character with a different accent. Plus, I would watch Taika Waititi play any character for 10 minutes. Like I'd watch him do a sketch playing any established pop culture character from any universe. Marvel, I want him, DC, Star Wars. I was going to say, I want him, we'll, we'll get to it in a second, but I want him to play every character they announced for a Suicide Squad movie. Yes. Taika Waititi as Polka Dot Man. Taika Waititi as Rick Flagg. Taika Waititi as Harley Quinn. Taika Waititi as Killer Shark or King Shark. I would absolutely watch the uh, the the five minute joke video of the one man version. Yes. of the Suicide Squad. Uh, all right. Well, should we talk a little bit TV now? Uh, yeah, let's get into the TV news. Okay, we did get quite a bit of stuff coming out of the Batman, which we'll get to at the end here. But there was also a little bit of discussion about the the GCPD spinoff coming out of that movie that we've talked about before. So it looks like that the movie is going to be set in year two of Batman's campaign, and that this show will be set in year one, and it'll focus mo- mostly on um, corruption within the GCPD. And I guess there'll be references to 
like the emergence of Batman and the mythology around him um, and the background of the show. From that angle, it sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that that's um, almost exactly what we pitched when we first heard about the GCPD show. Like, I yeah. want just Gordon just moved to Gotham dealing with the corruption. And I, I just want, like, the end of season one to be that fight scene between him and the other officer. The, like, the main corrupt... Flint? Yes. Have that be, like, the mid-season or the season one finale. Because, like, that's such a mm-hmm. good moment. And that that's kind of the turning point of Gordon's time with the GCPD. Is he's this kind of quiet character trying to do everything by the book. And then he just goes, fuck it, I'm going to punch you in the face. And you're going to fucking listen yeah. to me. I... And more optimistic about this now, based on these little little bits here and there. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, year one is a two-hander between Bruce and Gordon. But from one perspective, it's almost kind of more Gordon's story. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. And that's hard to do if you're making a Batman movie. But there's definitely potential to do it as, you know, a, a show here. And I, I like the idea of them seeing, um, like, the aftermath of Batman around there. Like the idea that he doesn't necessarily show up on the scene and have like, you know, a big reveal like he did in say Batman begins, for example, you know, taking out Falcone and putting him on the the signal. Yeah. You know, the idea that he just sort of like, we just start hearing little bits and pieces about him. Like someone going around beating these guys up, little references here and there. Um, you know, the, the murmurs running through the, the underworlds and into the, the police department too. That's interesting. And I think if done cleverly, you could actually justify the absence of Batman and make it part of what makes the show interesting rather than what holds it back. Right. And especially if it's uh, Jeffrey Wright, if he is in fact going to be the star of it, I'm obviously, oh my God, that'd be I love amazing. Him. He's one of my favorite actors. He's so good in Westworld. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, just yeah. Hang the whole thing on him. And I'm hundred percent there for it. <laughs> um, no, so that could be kind of interesting. And then uh, I know you want to talk a little bit about Titans as the just one because I want still... you to talk about Titans. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Titans. I want you to talk about Titans. I mean, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Exactly. You actually watched Titans season two, right? I did, unfortunately. Okay. And I will honestly, <laughs> I'll probably watch season three as I just like continue to pluck my eyes out. I, my surprise was even just they had Titans news. I honestly I expected that show to just die, just die a slow, sad whimpering death but no like hey we're still here and we have things that we think you'll care about yeah i mean it it will fit on hbo max i we did not get any news on dc universe no Uh, well i mean that's and it's speaking of whimpering death slow decay yeah uh but no titan season three i i honestly i want to talk about just because like a great quote that the the director put out Uh, Uh so basically season three is going to take place in gotham uh, they're going to introduce Barbara, which is going to be pretty cool. And it sounds like Scarecrow is going to be the overarching villain. Uh, mm-hmm. but the end of season two, Jason leaves the group and he starts kind of being his own vigilante. Uh, mm-hmm. and the director brought out this awesome African proverb, which is uh, a child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's such an awesome analogy for Jason Todd. Yeah. And then he said that child will come back in the form of Red Hood. It's a little on the nose yeah. of what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, look, there is a potentially interesting story to tell there. Like, I think one of the coolest things about Jason Todd now is that he went from a character being most famous for getting voted to die. Yeah, <laughs> murdered. People wanting, yeah, murdered by the fans. Literally murdered by the fans. To 
his most interesting thing is actually almost now, not even that he died and came back, but that he has this really jaded, cynical, um, and from some perspective, almost slightly more pragmatic approach to vigilantism than Batman does. And you, you can almost have that character exist now without having to do his death and return arc. Yeah. And there could be something interesting there, but especially if they like prime him as one of the main villains of season three. But that being said, this show, maybe more so than anything else is really good at taking like, well, this could be something interesting and and doing throwing it on the grass. Yes. Doing nothing with it. You know, like even the beginning of Titan season one, we were talking about like, Oh, there's some cool potential here. And they squandered all of it. So look, yeah, they could do a really cool story <laughs> about Jason being the red hood and, and both being a vigilante and an antagonistic force to, to Dick and the rest of the Titans. But we're assuming they'll do a good job. And evidence at this point says they won't. I have, I have a question for you, Chris, because I just thought about this when we, when we talk about the brutal murder of Jason Todd. Yes. Did Joker have to like, have a sit down chat with Sportsmaster with Sportsmaster being like, Hey, you know, like killing people with sporting equipment is kind of my thing. And I don't appreciate you not coming to me before you decided to use a golf club, uh, to beat it. No, sorry. He used a crowbar. Damn it. I was gonna. I was gonna. <laughs> I don't know why I had it in my head that it was a, I, I wasn't sure where to go with that. I was like, "Um, Cameron, can you please explain to me what sport uses a crowbar? Golf, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I totally had it in my head that he used a golf club. It was a crowbar. I mean, I suppose you could use a crowbar as a semi-decent putter. Yeah. (laughs) But. Okay, part two of the question. Has anyone ever cosplayed as the mechanic that sold Joker the crowbar? I mean, I welcome you to try and make that work. I will. Yeah. It'll be a thing. <laughs> if anyone can find a way to visualize that very specific story, I believe you can. Because, of course, that's the one thing Joker's going to buy. He's not going to steal a crowbar. That would just be <laughs> no, rude. No, of course not. He actually has a really lovely relationship with that mechanic. He does, yeah. Yeah, the mechanic, he just can't understand why everyone hates the Joker so much. He's just a super nice guy that occasionally stops by to pick up equipment. Yeah, crowbars springs for his uh jack-in-the-boxes he's a, he's a he's a lovely loyal customer yeah he gets the big deal always pays in cash right up front yeah nice guy mm-hmm. always smiling always so smiling yeah. i can't i can't t- <laughs> i've never had any client come in and ask for green paint on a car but this yeah. guy like he, he's really like helped me get rid of all this back inventory so well dressed yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, and then the last thing we're talking TV, and uh, this might be slightly controversial, but I'm counting the <laughs> Snyder Cut as TV at this point, because it was announced that the movie will be four hours, which at that point uh, makes it like a fucking miniseries, because they're also going to break it up into four one-hour parts, which, to be fair, I think is the right way to go on this. I agree. You gotta milk it, man. You gotta milk it forever. This show is, this is never going to end. They're going to drag it out over a month. You know, they are, it's going to come out week to week. Um, what will be interesting to see is where they find dividing points in it. Like you kind of have to some degree right around, well, you know, it's going to be like um, a tip of a typical stories for arcs, you know, how every story has a fourth <laughs> arc in it. Yeah. The classic four arc story. Um, but you know, you, you kind of feel like they have to have, 
some sense of soft ending to each part if it's going to be episodic mm-hmm. uh, that is just going to like end and like and then tune in next week i don't know it's going to be weird but along with the, the announcement of how we're going to be seeing it we did get our first official trailer what were your thoughts on the trailer cameron i'm ashamed of myself for falling for it again because honestly the trailer got me a little hyped do you not learn no i don't snyder is so (laughs) good at trailers and i know i know after watching it i I closed the tab like it's gonna be bad it's gonna be really bad but then i watched it again this morning i'm like fuck this is I'm, i'm excited for this show again excited for this this movie show except except for the the look of anyone connected to doom uh, to uh to dark side dark side looks bad right, of course his minions look like bad photocopies of of thanos's children yes and i do agree with you that normally Zack snyder is really good with trailers i didn't think this trailer was great i mean Piece by piece, the footage they showed was certainly interesting, um, and it has this visual flair. There's no doubt about that. Um, And the reality is the movie we got before was such a mess that pretty much anything by comparison can be an improvement. I I was just so distracted by his music choice on this. It was was a weird music choice. After, like, the first minute I got into it, but it's a weird start. So... It just, to me, tonally, it didn't match with what we were seeing on screen, which was, you know, dramatic, but also, like, action-packed. And normally he's really good about finding those um, those songs that just kind of have a gravitas to them. And to me, this felt a little bit odd. Like, it didn't, tonally, it didn't match. It also felt really on the nose of, like, oh, my God, hallelujah, we're finally getting the Snyder That's Cut. That's exactly what it was supposed to be. It is, it is for the fans to get on their hands and knees and pray to their God, Zack Snyder. He says... My lord, we did it. We have prayed and you have come to us. This whole thing has always been like a deeply masturbatory exercise, but I've always given Snyder credit for not leaning into that a lot. The the Messiah role? Well, he, he's, you know, he, he's always kind of played this so far as being just grateful that people were appreciative of his existence. Um, I mean, it didn't help that he was just constantly throwing out bait for the whole thing, but I've never felt that he has been um, self-congratulatory or self-aggrandizing in any sort of way. And that music choice to me felt (laughs) that in a nutshell, just like, aren't you guys so excited? I'm finally giving you the thing you've always wanted. The only thing you've ever wanted, the greatest gift possible to the world is my four hour justice league. Come my children. I have spoils from around the world for you. It is I, I am the spoils. (laughs) Eat my bread and drink my blood. It just felt really on the nose and also weird because I, I, he must just really love that song and because he's constantly trying to put it in scenes that don't work. Mm-hmm. Like, you remember that was the worst part of his watching movie was the hallelujah sex scene up inside oh, Archie. Oh, yeah, yep. He just, he loves that song and cannot find a tonally consistent spot to put it in. So I thought it was really weird that he chose to do it again. I mean, so that weird nitpick aside... Obviously, I'm looking forward to this. I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm excited about it, but it is something I'm looking forward to seeing and experiencing. Um, you know, and I, I agree that Dark Side looks generic, gray, mass, as does Steppenwolf, but Steppenwolf does look a lot better. He does. Um, and a lot more menacing than we got in the theatrical cut. You know, and hey, we're, we're getting Black to Superman. I didn't see I didn't see a mullet, though. Come on, Snyder. We can't have everything. No, because we're next year, 2022, 2021, we're going to get... 
release the mullet cut and we're gonna get this <laughs> all over again it's gonna be the same movie with someone digitally adding a mullet on top of superman okay here here's a here's a question for you cameron you you get one of two options you can either see the snyder cut or you can see the theatrical version, but it's the mustache cut, and they have it CGI oh, over it. Oh, which keep in mind that means you have to rewatch the theatrical cut of Justice League. I'll I'll be honest with you, Chris. I have no memory of the Justice League movie anymore. <laughs> I like the Justice League movie and uh, BVS. Someone was trying to talk to me about BVS this week, and they're bringing up all these moments, and I'm like, I don't remember anything. I've I've fully blacked out BVS minus the like the the shot of Wonder Woman landing between the two and the Martha mm-hmm. screaming. I've I've fully blacked out the entirety of every DC movie because they're so fucking forgettable. I, I will say there there are two shots of oh to answer your question I picked the mustache cut for sure. Okay, thank you. Um, there there are two shots in this that they really stood out to me. One for fun. One, because it was like a beautiful shot, and one, because like he had to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's that, it, it's so short, but I'm just like, wow, that's gorgeous. It's when Aquaman is walking with arms wide, walking backwards through the wall of water. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. fuck, that looks so good. Uh, and then it's the shot of uh, Superman coming back in the cornfield, and it's Clark and, and Amy Adams and, and Martha. And it, at first, it's the three of them, and you don't see Clark's face. Uh, but then there's the very specific shot that holds for like a beat too long where it just, it's like the, it like, it feels like it's in focus on his chin just because mm-hmm. of like, Hey, look, there's no mustache problems here. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't need that shot. Cause the first shot had the right emotion. The second shot is just for fans. So like, look, there's no CGI on his face. Isn't that great? What I would love to see Snyder start doing is uh, releasing the music video cuts of all of his movies. Yeah. So you take the movies exactly as they are and you just completely eliminate uh, any sort of audio or sound effects and you just put his very specific playlist over the top of all of it. I wonder if anyone's tried to hire him for a music video because that would be I think he, so good. I think that's where he got his start was doing music videos. That would make a lot of sense. Hold on. I, I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure. And if not, what a waste. Um, because, you know, you can definitely say that pretty much in any one of his movies – you can pinpoint a moment that he does really good video audio pairings. Like even, even justice league, the boring abomination that it is the opening montage, um, all set to everybody knows like mourning the lost Superman. That is a really, really good sequence. And that feels very Snyder. I don't think that was Whedon, although we'll see soon. Uh, yeah. So Zack Snyder did in his, in the early nineties. Yeah. He did get a start with music videos. He directed a, um, a ZZ top music video back in 94. <laughs> Directed Rod Stewart music video in '95. <laughs> these these don't feel like normal Zack Snyder choices. Like I was thinking, like maybe like a, a My Chemical Romance, or I was, even I like was, a Red Hot Chili Peppers. You nailed it on right on the head. 2009, he did a My Chemical <laughs> Romance music video. Okay, clearly that's where he his stride. I cannot see a Rod Stewart music video working with the Zack Snyder visual touch. Uh, but now should we talk about actual movies? Uh, sure. Let's talk about real movies. All right, uh, so you want to talk a little bit about Superman Man of Tomorrow, which I think uh, just got its digital launch? It did. As as of recording this, the digital version of uh, Man of Tomorrow is available on, I assume, still DC Universe? 
Maybe. Uh, no, usually it ends up going up on like um, purchase places first. So it's going to be up on like an Amazon okay. or iTunes and stuff like that. And then a few months down the line, they'll put it up on DC Universe. But who knows? It might be dead by the time it's ready to go. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, so this uh, this wasn't specifically part of DC Fandom, but they they released an exclusive clip uh, like the day before. So I think Friday they, they dropped this. And it's really short. It's like this minute and a half clip, and it's of – uh, teenage Superman first interacting with Martian Manhunter. And the only reason I want to talk about it is seeing teenage Superman and not, not Superboy, but teenage Superman, not, not pouty Superboy makes me desperately want a Smallville animated series in some form. Cause like that brought a light inside me that I didn't know could turn on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, I, just give me this. Just give me like an hour long Smallville animated short, because it it was so like pure. That's all I wanted I to mean, say. You, <laughs> you do know that they did continuation comics, right? Once he's finally Superman, like Smallville season eleven. I'll I'll repeat myself, Chris. I want an animated series <laughs> of Smallville what? where he is a How? teenager. How foolish of me to uh, suggest reading something in contrast to you offering up watching a cartoon. Yes. And he's too old at that point. He's not a teenager anymore when he's on the suit. I want him pre-suit. We had 10 seasons of pre-suit. And it still wasn't enough for you. Yeah. (laughs) Ideally pre... No, Flash was blur. What was... was Streak? No, no. Superman was blur. Okay. Okay, yeah. Like yeah. pre-blur days. Look, I I am not opposed to an animated Smallville movie, especially because you could get pretty much everyone back. Like you know, Tom Welling would come back. You know, Michael Rosenbaum would come back. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, he loves his voice acting now. Yeah, and honestly, just for those two alone. Oh, we could get Erica Durant back as Lois. Yeah. I would insist that it be set after Lois appeared because I, I still think that she is the best part of that show. I mean, she, she can just go to their high school. Why not? I mean, she did. Did she? <laughs> she did go to their high school. Yeah. Like, they introduced her, I want to say, like, end of season three or beginning of season four. And at that point, they're just like, oh, she goes here now. Like, she's always in town. Okay. I guess I just don't remember yeah. her being in school with them. I, I who know, Maybe she wasn't actually in school. I don't know. But she was there. She was already there at that point anyways. Mm-hmm. So... And also, hang on, Erica Durant is the second best thing in Smallville behind Tom Welling's abs. I'll take it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a Lana stan. I know, I know you are. Someone has to be. Um, okay, so in terms of like the, the, the big movies, though, lots of announcements. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with The Flash, because there's some kind of interesting stuff there. Okay. Um, first off is the announcement that came out just before Fanzone, which was that Batfleck is back. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah, Batflack is is continuing his stride as the most questionable Batman. Look, I'm I'm not opposed to giving him a chance to shine, actually. Because I, I still maintain that though BVS is a disaster on so many levels, he is good in that, even if that character is not particularly well written but i think he inhabits the role well despite what he's given and i think that by the time it came around to doing the justice league reshoots i think he was just so tired and so didn't give a fuck that he wasn't 
even phoning it in. Now, it'll be interesting to see like what his performance is like coming out of the Snyder Cut and see if maybe when that part was filmed, if he was a little more invested in it. Because um, I also think that stuff was done... I think prior to the terrible reception that BVS got, so maybe he still has a little bit of, you know, gas left in the tank. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I was just surprised by this because I kind of assumed that the reason they were including Keaton was that they weren't, they were trying to still have an older Batman figure in here and they didn't have access to Batfleck, but clearly that's not the case. So clearly the movie is going to start out in the, um, the, the former DCEU continuity that I guess still is sort of technically ongoing. Um, and then the flash is going to go back in time. And then maybe when he returns, it'll be um, Keaton's Batman. It just, I was, I wasn't expecting this, but I'm not necessarily opposed to it in a weird way. Yeah. I, I hope someone counted the number of times they said flashpoint in this, in this panel. Cause even just reading the reviews, it was in every sentence and every I'm quote sure. they pulled had like, just like in flashpoint and blah, 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 blah. Like in flashpoint, and I'm like, just call the movie Flashpoint at this point. Like, you're not even, like, hiding it anymore. <laughs> that you're just telling the exact story from the comics. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the interesting things about that is with them acknowledging its inspiration from Flashpoint, it, at this point, DC's essentially decided to just fully embrace the idea of a multiverse. Um, like, they even went so far as to say that, you know, the, um, the Ezra Miller Flash's appearance in the Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover is considered canon. So now they've just accepted like a multiverse exists, which I think basically what they're saying is that all DC universes that have existed up to this point do exist. And I, I guess the one thing is, is in the present that allows them to justify the fact that you have Ben Affleck at the same time that you have uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, doing Batman, Batman. That they, yeah they can just you know, have all these different things going simultaneously. I can see it allowing them a little bit of creative freedom. Um, and, you know, the cool, the one cool thing is it gives them a chance to acknowledge and revisit some of the stuff that exists in the past. You know, like, it's honestly pretty cool that we're getting, uh, you know, a return of Keaton's Batman. I don't expect us to see Clooney's Batman ever again, <laughs> but I'm not entirely opposed to it, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, it's like, the, you know, the multiverse now exists. And, and I think that that works... Because someone, some, I think it might have even been just the Weekly Planet talking about this, and we've brought it up many times. They've really exhausted all of the the canon comics they pull from. We've we've kind of hit all yeah. of the big ones, and opening it up to a multiverse allows you to do the weirder side stories. We can get a Red Sun movie. Um, you know, it's I mean, specific, for Superman specifically, we can get kind of the the crazier stories in there yeah it would be nice if they could just give us a good superman movie first right but that's you're asking start. a lot chris i'm asking i'm asking way too much i've just asked them to take a character that actually is great and just make a good movie out of him uh, how dare i so so here's the quote from the panel that, that kind of goes over the whole thing it says this film is immensely important flash uh, because if you look around the DC universe, obviously you, all these characters that exist are within their own bubbles. We even now have multiple iterations of the same story. This movie, by opening that door uh, that Flashpoint did in the comics, all these stories and characters will start to collide. It blows our minds. The level of possibilities that exist within the context of the character of this story. He said the cinematic universe is going to be born out of this movie. Holden said uh, it is born out of Barry's story. Flashpoint. Great. Great. 
Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that I have no interest in Ezra Miller as the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, I, I read an article kind of because I missed this panel when it was live. And they, they <laughs> my favorite sentence about it, they said, uh, Ezra Miller doing his best skinny Jack Black impersonation was <laughs> a bundle of energy in the panel. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Except I like Jack Black way more than Ezra Miller. Yeah, the same. So I don't know. Well, look, we'll see. They put out a couple of pieces of concept art, one showing the Flash mostly in shade and like a, a much more streamlined kind of maybe comic accurate suit. Another one of him teaming up with Keaton's Batman. Um, look, if this movie ever gets made, it'll be interesting to say the least. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we had that. We also had a couple of small announcements about Shazam 2. Yes. Yeah, so we now know it's going to be called Shazam, uh, Fury of the Gods. And in the teaser poster, it also included the actor Sinbad, which raises so many questions. Nope, no questions. <laughs> so what, the main question, it, I guess it raises one question. Is he in this movie or is this just an acknowledgement by uh, David Sandberg, who uh, you know, famously is, is quite a, a, a goofy, fun guy, the director, um, just acknowledging that there's the Mandela effect of everyone assuming there was a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad in the 90s. Right, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, they, they honestly <laughs> should have just remade that poster with the, the group. Yeah. Look, at the same time, I would kind of love it if they found a way to put Sinbad in that movie. Yes. I think it'd be highly entertaining. I mean, that what they should do is that's what like the family is watching at the beginning or end. Like, that's the button of the, of the movie, oh, is them watching yeah. Sinbad. And like you can even end it just like or them watching Shazam. It's like, is his name Kazam? And then like cut the credits. <laughs> I'd watch it. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm down for that little button. Yeah. Uh and we also got um a teaser for Black Adam. Oh, we got a lot of news on Black Adam, yeah. Lots of news on Black Adam, yeah. So they haven't filmed it yet. So they just did um they basically did two kind of teaser spots showing like um basically concept art with voiceover from mind you the rock not from black adam but like it's basically just the rock talking about the movie yeah kind of it's, it's a little bit unclear it's, honestly it's a little off-putting hearing him talk like as a serious person and so i'm very fascinated by his role as a villain yeah because they so they basically kind of did do a teaser explaining like the history of like you know it was this ancient civilization and uh Black Adam is uh, a slave as pretty much else. And he's granted the powers that make him into Black Adam. And then he kind of fights against his uh, oppressors. And then I guess the rest of the movies can be set 5,000 years later, presumably in relatively, relatively modern times. And then a second teaser also introduced that he's going to be going up against the JSA. Um, and he specifically references Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and then Adam Smasher, Hell who yeah. we now know will be played by Noah Centineo. Um, interesting choices there. I mean, Hawkman, Dr. Fate makes sense. Those are two of the big characters in the, the JSA. Um, but I, I don't even know really who Cyclone is. And then Adam Smasher also felt like kind of a, an interesting choice. Well, I mean, what, let's, let's look at the JSA and what they could, they can't use Flash and they could, but they shouldn't. Green Lantern is a question mark across the entirety of the DC universe. But they, they also basically announced as the part of the discussion about the multiverse is that they've essentially, as they put it, gotten rid of the rules that limit where characters can go. Like there's no longer going to be going to be embargoes. Like famously there was a bat embargo after Batman begins that prevented certain characters from showing up in the Batman animated series, but also prevented Bruce Wayne from ever showing up on Smallville. Right. 
Um, a similar embargo was put in place around Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, which was why uh, Deadshot was killed off in the Arrowverse pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And Task Force S was eliminated. So DC's basically said, like, that doesn't apply anymore. Like, if it creatively it makes sense to put a character in somewhere, we will. Um, you know, so they could have the Flash possibly in this, especially yeah. if it's Jay Garrick, you know, the original Flash. There, there's room for that. Or if they could put in Alan Scott, the non-Green Lantern Green Lantern. I know. And that's everything be, just everything would be made of wood, and he'd be very yeah. scared. But you know, there's a lot of great characters in JSA. Like I always thought that um, Our Man was super interesting. Doctor Midnight's in yeah. there, and, I, and, um, and they're already teaching the audience through Star Girl. Like Star Girl is a JSA series. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting they chose those. We only know who's playing um, one of the characters. But I mean, th- this could be an interesting idea if it's you know Black Adam is sort of given all his power and maybe it corrupts him a little bit, and then he's. He sees himself as kind of a hero, and he's put up against a, a team of heroes that have a very different ethical code. Like that, that could be something interesting of actually watching like a movie where there are no like quote unquote villains. Although I'm sure they'll shoehorn in someone, so they have to team up in the end probably. Because I mean, it, it if you look at it from his perspective, he is Moses. This is the Moses story. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and so like that, that is really interesting. If, if they go with that, of like you know. Moses from Ramsey's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would watch a, uh, a superhero remake of The Prince of Egypt starring The Rock. Yeah. I think that's basically what we're getting at this point. I'm here for it. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I've always been a little bit down on this idea. I've always kind of maintained that um, Black Adam, I think, would work better as a just a straight up Shazam villain rather than his own movie. But, you know, the suit looked cool. I don't like the cape. I, I want the cape gone or make it a small cape uh was it a full cape it was a full cape didn't like it hated it okay well maybe it'll get cut in half and then have a nice little teeny small cape that's what i want yeah but you know at the end of the day look the the rock has charisma to spare um and you know you can probably hang a whole movie on just that alone so and they have multiple many many movies so so many times they've done that uh most of the fast movies central intelligence Uh. probably jungle cruise but it'll be bounced out by emily blunt's wonderful charisma Who's amazing in her own right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we got some Black Adam stuff. We got a new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. I think they showed too much. I'm sad that we saw Full Cheetah. I didn't want to see Full Cheetah yet. You just wanted to continue to see uh, Chris and Wig in a bunch of like leopard print yep. jackets instead? That's it. I kind of agree with you. In general, the less they reveal, the better. I also kind of get why they did because I think one of the things that we're, we're now facing is this weird situation where um, like tie-in merchandise and promo stuff is now becoming available when the movie's not. Yeah. The Lego set is already out. You can already get the Lego cheetah fight. Exactly. Yeah. And, and famously that's always been an issue is that toys oftentimes end up revealing things and spoiling things. Like you could go all the way back to mask of the phantasm where the phantasm toy was packaged with the hood off and you could see it was Andrea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, we, we've had a history of that. Lego's done a lot of that, too. Um, you know, the interesting thing now is that actually with Lego, a lot of their sets, as with most toys, is based off of kind of like the script when they go into shooting and initial concept designs, and things change. Yeah. So, you know, like, for example, um, when Batman and Robin came out, the Batgirl toy had a full cowl because that's the way the design looked at the time. Ultimately, they changed it. And you see little bits of that, you know, you can even look at some Lego sets like the Ant-Man Lego set that came out with the first movie also had Hank Pym in an Ant-Man suit. And you're like, oh, is this a spoiler for the movie? Never ended up happening. So 
sometimes things seem like they're spoiled they're not but also at this point yeah like we know the figure exists we've seen the little lego figure of her Fulchita, so i guess they're like well it's already known they maybe they just kind of assumed they were better off including a shot of her to get you know people pleased that we get Fulchita rather than leaving it as a reveal but i i, I do understand where you're coming yeah. from on that. i mean my, my other thought of that because i didn't know about the lego stuff that's actually really interesting i didn't know they they based mm-hmm. off the initial script um yeah my other thought is it's going to be another misdirect, just like the first Wonder Woman was, where Cheetah's going to be the Act 2 villain, and that's where we're seeing her already, and the Act 3 villain is going to be What's-His-Face, who, who's granting all these wishes. Oh, Maxwell Lord? Yeah. That's just, I kept thinking, I, my brain kept going to Maximilian Zeus, and I know that wasn't it. Maxwell Lord. No, no, yeah. no, no, it's, it's my fictional second cousin, Maxwell Lord. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the movie finally gives us, like, some sense of plot, which is, like, Maxwell Lord somehow is able to seemingly grant wishes, mm-hmm. so that turns um, Barbara Minerva into Cheetah, and presumably is how um, Steve Trevor returns. And I have to say, for me, the highlight of the trailer was just any time Chris Pine was talking. Yeah. Especially in this trailer, like, every time he's on screen, he's just so charming. And, just, like, he... I think people don't appreciate how good chris pine is from a comedic perspective yeah did you did you ever watch love is war or this is war with him and tom hardy i actually really liked that i love that movie i'm glad (laughs) you like it too i think that is one of the funniest rom-coms of the past like 10 or whenever it came out 12 years yeah i mean it's not a perfect film but it's yeah it's chris pine and tom hardy as best friend spies who both fall for reese witherspoon it's like that movie just has charisma to spare yes it's so much fun i wonder if it's streaming because i i want to watch that today <laughs> look out for the bonus episode tim talk where we discuss this means war <laughs> but yeah i look i i'm excited for wonder woman i, I think it's gonna be good i'm hopeful based off that trailer yeah. so uh and surfing on lightning still fucking awesome oh it's still amazing still so goddamn cool yeah uh and the golden armor looks incredible yeah it looks beautiful cheetah looks fine looks fine again i think that shot might be like mid transformation uh but who knows you know who knows they like their they like their misdirects over there at dc like misdirecting us into thinking it's gonna be good and it's not sometimes they also misdirect us into thinking there's gonna be misdirects and that's exactly what we expect it to be right keeps us on our toes one super last thing on wonder woman um i love how they ended the uh the trailer with only in theaters as in like now we have to assume they're like well maybe it's just gonna come out on digital it's like no this is a theatrical film because they did that with a couple of their trailers i think even the batman said like only in theaters the batman only in theaters yeah uh they're gonna make us see in theaters even if it literally kills us yes so uh, but yeah, so saving kind of the the big two for last year. Uh, so the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Wow. This looks nuts in the best way possible. Yes, just the roll call alone was so so. I I spent probably like thirty to forty minutes just googling every person they mentioned because I didn't know mm-hmm. anybody. So uh, I wrote them down. I don't know if you did. Yes, I did as but- well. Okay, all right. So we can run through them here. So uh, Idris Elba is playing Bloodsport. Now, did you look him up? I don't know anything about Bloodsport. I did. Uh, Bloodsport is is a mercenary, a Superman villain mercenary, uh, who's famous for kind of hitting. He was the first one to shoot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. 
Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's kind of the Superman version of Deadshot. Oh, he also has an appearance uh, in JLE. Sorry, he has he has a. We see Bloodsport in that tournament episode of JLU. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, um, we also get the return of Rick Flag, Amanda Waller, and Captain Boomerang, and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only returning members so far from the original movie, all of whom are great. Yeah, Harley's outfit looks great. Love the leather. Yeah, I think that's her best look yet in uh, in the the movies. Uh, she looks awesome. I'm just so glad Captain Boomerang's back. Yep. I loved him in the first movie. <laughs> so we get all of them returning. We get Sean Gunn as Weasel. He looks so gross. I hate it. I already hate it so much. From that character alone, this movie does kind of feel like the anti-Marvel film in some ways. Yes. Like, because you love the idea of like one, you know, James Gunn, he was on board this before he was reannounced as returning to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's unclear as to whether he was actually totally fired, if it was all just kind of a, a delayed campaign. Um, but his include, inclusion, but also having Sean Gunn, who plays the on-screen version of Rocket, play the on-screen version of a character that looks like a demented Rocket. <laughs> it's genius. I mean, he, he, he looks like a live-action weasel from Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he really does. No, he looks fantastic. It's so gross. So here, uh, so on board for that. We got Pete Davidson as Blackguard, who I know nothing about. Uh, Blackguard, funny enough, is a Booster Gold villain. Love it. Yeah, uh, he's known for having this kind of futuristic tech suit, which it doesn't look like he has, mm-hmm. and this very bizarre long purple ponytail, which he also does not have. Oh, what a shame! What a goddamn shame! Uh, so then we also have um, Melchior Daniela as Ratcatcher Two. Yes, and and you corrected me before the podcast. I thought she was Sewer Queen. No, yeah. So Ratcatcher is a, a totally different character who does have the ability to like, I think, control rats. But it's also weird because also there's the character of the Pied Piper who I think has the same ability. I mean, it, it it sounds like she's just the DC version of Squirrel Girl. I think she's a little bit darker and weirder than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, they had a, a quick. I, I jumped in from one of the quick interviews with. with um, James Gunn, and he said if he could be anyone in Suicide Squad, he would choose Ratcatcher because she's the only one who like knows who she is. Oh, that's amazing. So it sounds like she's going to kind of be there for less character development and more kind of comic relief, which is weird because every one of these characters looks just like a comic relief character. Oh. I can't tell who the main cast is. No, it's, it's impossible to know who this movie really hangs on uh, because we also have Nathan Fillion as TDK. Don't know who that is. Who is an original character. Oh, really? Yes, this is a James Gunn original character. I mean, that's I'm, why we don't know anything about him. I love that he wrote a character just for Nathan Fillion in this. That yes, makes me I mean, so of happy. course. Uh, we have Steve Agee as King Shark. Great, great casting choice. Yep, yep we know all about him. <laughs> just his voice alone is going to be so perfect coming out of that mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have David Dasmalkian as Polka Dot Man. Yes, we, another one we, we knew about beforehand. One yes. we've been very excited for for a while. Yes, um, we have, um, I apologize, I'm probably going to butcher this name. We have um, Mailing Ning. Yeah. Mailing Ning, thank you, as Mongal. So same planet as the character Mongol. Mm-hmm. We have Alice Braga as Solsoria. So this is one that I, I tried to find, and this character doesn't exist in DC, but there's a male version named Sal Soria. Oh, okay. Who is who's a mercenary who lost his hands 
and had them replaced with nanites. And so he can kind of like hack into things with the nanites. Brilliant. So Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Very, again, very weird, very DC. Uh, but yeah, th- this character is also a, a question mark. Love it. Uh, John Cena as Peacemaker. And he, he seemed to be the focus of the, the panel. And so oh, I feel sure. like this is going to be a, a char- like one of the main characters. Uh, but he's been described as douchey Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in the, in the teaser, we got John Cena described him as uh, a character who will do anything for the sake of peace, even if it is murder. Yep. <laughs> Which sounds brilliant. Love this John Cena, too. He's always so fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Juan Diego Boda as Luna. We have Peter Capaldi as the thinker, or as just thinker, who I don't know yes. what the character is, but he's got a great look. So he does. Uh, so Thinker was the main villain in the Flash CW series of season four. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's uh, just a genius with telekinetic powers. Oh, love it. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have Michael Rooker playing Savant. Yes. Also, also a weird character design. The wig. So good. So yes. excited for that wig. <laughs> um, Savant is uh, he was an aspiring vigilante of Gotham. Uh, he was he's a rich boy who just kind of wanted to use his money for good and so he became a vigilante uh, until Batman said you're a bad vigilante uh, and then he became a hacker and an extortionist love it yep perfect for Mike Rooker and then of course I'm saving the best for last we have the great Flula Borg as Javelin Flula. yes uh, Javelin is a Green Lantern villain <laughs> so they, they really like plucked it from all around which is yeah. awesome I mean um that's what this should be, right? It should be like the chance to pull the weirdest villains that otherwise wouldn't really work in a major movie as a, a primary antagonist or even a secondary antagonist and just throw them in here. Even if they're on screen for like five minutes, it adds fun and depth. Yeah. My thought when they were doing this announcement was, was for you. And I'm just thinking like, wow, we're going to get so many Legos out of this. God, I hope so. God, I just want all of them. All I really want in life is a Flula Borg Lego set. Mm-hmm please oh my god yeah give this to me i mean look i'm excited about this it looks weird it looks fun i mean in james gunn we trust i'd say at this point yeah they uh the producer was on he described it as a gritty's 1970 war movie combined with james gunn's characters and comedy i'm like that all sounds awesome yeah i'm absolutely here for it 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 just looks all the costumes look great they're like really leaning into color which is awesome yeah, like there's none of this like weird muted color palette. Like it's all bright and bizarre, and like the the costumes look bad in a clearly intentional way. Yeah, except for Harley's. except Harley because Harley's yeah Harley's looks so good. That I mean that costume is spot on. It's like you know I mentioned last week I just finished reading um you know the the Jimmy and Amanda run on her her comics. And that costume she's wearing this is pulled straight from like her new 52 look. And it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Can't, cannot wait for this. All right. Anything else? Should we get on to uh, the big one here? Have, have we made it to the end? We've made it to the end. We've saved the best for last. So we did get best biggest biggest <laughs> yeah we got the biggest save for last we finally got our first look in a full trailer at matt reeves the batman yes uh, what did you think about this i am 
intrigued, mm-hmm. but not on board yet. I would share that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. So here, here's my my <clears throat> biggest complaint about this is we didn't get a real Bruce scene, and I really because I mean the the whole reason we were kind of excited with our bats bat and bat is because we thought he would be a good Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And we didn't get a single scene of him as Bruce. Yeah, we just got like one shot of him with very emo hair. Um, yeah, it. I'm very interested after seeing this. Like, I, I, I watched this and I, you know, I want to see more. I want to know more about it. Um, I think some of my initial concerns are abated. Like, I actually think the suit looked great when we saw it on screen. Um, yeah, I agree. I'm still not super sold on their version of the Batmobile, but hey, let's wait to see how it is in action. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jeffrey Wright looks amazing as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I, I care about him. I care about Catwoman, honestly, more than I care about Bruce right now. Yeah. so Because she like, looks pretty great. Yeah, so she's still just like Selena Kyle Cat Burglar. She's not um, full-on Catwoman. And you definitely get the impression that the whole movie is kind of doing proto-versions of the villains. You know, like Catwoman yeah. is not in, she's in a burglar suit, but not in like a full cat suit. Um, I'm pretty sure that the Riddler is going to be the primary antagonist here. That's it. That's it. definitely who they're setting up right now. Yeah. Um, and he's like killing, he's murdering people and leaving clues behind. Um, and that part looks kind of interesting. And like his looks, it looks very proto. Like his face is covered and he's got kind of the, the glasses, which some versions of the Riddler has kind of over the mask, but he doesn't necessarily look like the Riddler as we know him. Um, and then you, it's kind of blink or you miss it, but we do get a, a very, very quick shot of an unrecognizable Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobbleplot. Mm-hmm. Like, I I only realized in my second viewing that's who that was. Yeah, I, I honestly completely forgot that it was Colin Farrell. Yeah, it looks nothing like him. Because we there's been so many actors confirmed for this movie, so many characters confirmed. Uh, I'm I'm surprised we didn't get just like teaser shots of anyone. No, not really. Like, didn't see any of Andy Serkis as Alfred. Look, it, the the tone looks very interesting. It's it's really really gritty and dirty and like greasy almost. But you know, look, it's an interesting world we're playing in on this one. I'd say, um, you know, it all feels very proto Batman, which. I guess it makes sense they'd have to go a really different route because we already got proto Batman once in the form of Batman Begins. And like that movie ends and you kind of see like, Oh, this is where he becomes like the Batman we, we know and love. And it, for my, me at least went in a different direction than I'd hoped with the dark Knight. But here they clearly had to do something to make it feel distinct, which I'll, you know, I'll give them credit for. It's proto proto Batman. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I agree with you. It's, I, I keep saying the best. It was definitely the biggest announcement, say for last, like, uh, you know, seeing all over just the internet in general, Reddit especially everyone's going like nuts over this. I'm just kind of like, like, okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm open to more, but it's not like I'm going like, Oh my God, this is the definitive version of Batman right off in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that the way this movie seems to be shaping up is the exact movie I pitched on i do a remake <laughs> when i did that episode with sam i pitched a version of batman early on in his career where he's just starting to learn how to be a detective um i had ethan bennett as the, the main cop rather than jim gordon which is what they're doing here but i had it that he is going up against the riddler who is murdering a whole bunch of people and is making a very public presence 
Um, but also in the background is you know Oswald Cobblepot, who actually runs the gangs and possibly presents a greater threat to Gotham than the Riddler. But the Riddler has more appeal because there's a mystery behind it and the prestige behind it, and Batman's trying to make his name. So maybe I'm just seeing that in this trailer because that's the version of the movie that exists in my head. But uh, if that's what we end up getting, I'm saying it here now that I already pitched it once because I also way back in the day pitched more or less Man of Steel, but it was Brainiac instead of uh, Zod. And, Zod. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a career out of not having a career making movies that someone else makes. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, but look, I mean, you know, all this being said, this is pretty cool. They did this thing. I, I think you and I are both a little bit skeptical about DC fandom in general going in. Um, and I'd say for me, it exceeded my expectations in terms of what they revealed and how they handled it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, especially after Comic-Con, like I had such, I had a pretty sour taste in my mouth mm-hmm. with how kind of disappointing that was. And, and this really showed how Comic-Con needs the big players to survive. It really does. And uh, without them, it'd be interesting to see what happens. So, mm-hmm. All right, so kind of wrapping the whole thing up here, Cameron, what is the thing you are most excited about coming out of this, and what is the thing you couldn't give a crap about? Um, I mean, Titans should be the thing that I don't give a shit about, but <laughs> but honestly, like, the Shazam 2 new... I'm excited for Shazam 2 and Fury of the Gods, okay. but I think uh, the announcement of that, I didn't give a fuck about. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing I'm most excited for, probably Suicide Squad movie. Okay, like that just looked so otherworldly at this point. Uh, with Snyder Cut being a close second. Okay, no, no, that's fair. Yeah. Well, what about you? Um, I I actually think I'm most excited about Suicide Squad kills the Justice League, the video game. I think it's the mm-hmm. the the most different thing on here compared to everything else. Um, and obviously the thing that I couldn't give two shits about is Titans. I don't care at all what happens. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and then I'm going to... That's the only reason I brought it up. Yeah. And then I'm going to give an honorable mention in terms of things I'm most excited about to the Snyder Cut. Not that we're going to see it, but that it means that once it's finally out there, it will go away. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, on a comparable note, I I am now just starting to get all the ads for New Mutants. Oh. Because we are five days away again Yep. the release of New Mutants. Yep, from a handful of people being able to see it in theaters. Yep. I've been getting targeted everywhere for that movie, and I'm so excited. I mean, to be fair, the reason you're getting targeted is because every week before we do an episode, you're Googling to see what the latest New Mutants news is. (laughs) I'm constantly, probably like two times a week, I'm Googling when New Mutants is coming out. So, you know, according to Fox's algorithm, like, you're the number one New Mutants fan in the world. (laughs) Yeah, just send me just send me a copy, Fox. Yeah. Like I'll I'll give it a very very good review. Uh, if only. Oh, all right. Well, shall we uh, wrap things up here? I think we did it. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Let's start static news. Let's start static. All right, <laughs> finale. Uh, well, hey, you know what? Uh, overall, I think good work on DC's part with the fandom here. Interesting to see what future durations we get out of it. And, uh, and a lot of good projects. You know, I, I think I've been pretty cynical about the, the slate of content coming out of DC for a while now. And uh, this actually gives me a little bit of hope. I agree. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a good feeling for DC. Yeah. Also, it hope. means that hopefully next week we'll have little to no news. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, there were there were some there was a bit of Marvel news that came out this week. Like we can talk. Shut about up! We're not it. talking Marvel this week. There is no Marvel this week. I know. I'm saying we're gonna we're gonna talk about it next week. But like the Spider Woman stuff. 
Yeah, more, we, should, we should bring up next week. More to get into then when we'll finally be doing the finale of Static Shock. Uh, but until then, would love to hear everyone's thoughts on the announcements from DC Fandom. What were you most excited about? What do you not give a shit about? And please let us know at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. And that's you right, can find right. me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, and if you want to see my face, you can find that at camdexter underscore adventures. And if you want to see my art, you can find that at cameron.dexter. I switched it, and that felt really weird. Did you? I always start with art and then face. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Once I finish my part, I tune out. I don't know what you say after that point. You could honestly just yeah, say anything. Yeah. You could just start talking about how much you love Avatar again, and I wouldn't even notice. Oh, I do. Most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> And hey, maybe Korra's by, up on Netflix. Everyone go check it out. I know. Maybe by next week, I'll have seen a little bit of Korra. We can talk about it. Oh, <gasps> yeah. yeah. But until then, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, bye. Bye.